All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Gojo and Golik, we're talking hoops now, and LeBron James wants his money. He wants a multi-year, nine-figure deal, and when you think about it, he probably deserves it, but the question is, where is he going to be? Because rumors are rumbling in the Lakers world in L.A., and he says himself, I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know how much longer I have. So we're all just sort of guessing at this point. And Brian Winhurst went on ESPN's first take and said, I think I have an idea. He's going the Peter King route. I think I have an idea of what might be good for LeBron James, but he doesn't really know. But it's interesting to see what he had to say. First off, I think LeBron is angling to sign a multi-year deal in the offseason with the Lakers that will be nine figures, that will be even bigger than the deal he is on now. Now, whether or not he's able to finish that deal, whether or not the Lakers want to give him a three-year contract and pay him $60 million when he's 42 years old, that's a different discussion. And I actually believe some of the stuff he's saying right now isn't just about this team. It's about already negotiating that contract. But the Lakers are in position to make a big swing at a trade this summer. 
a big swing possibly, but also right now they're favored to miss the playoffs, massive favorites to be in the play-in. So it's just sort of a mess over there. Curious what you guys think on this whole thing. Obviously he deserves the money. Does he want to be in LA? Does it really depend where Bronny goes? Should Bronny even be in the NBA? No. What's your take on this situation? <laughs> the Stugats very strong and Claudia right there. Just no, but you know, we'll, we'll keep that moving there. And uh, Claudia, you're right though. Incredibly complicated ecosystem surrounding LeBron James right now. And so we need to call in a little bit of added muscle here for some help and bring in one of our friends, basketball podcaster herself, Charlotte Wilder for a Wilder Wednesday on a Tuesday, the co-host of oddball with Amin El Hassan and Charlotte, the bat signal for LeBron James talk goes off and you just appear. Uh-oh. Oh, buddy, you're muted. Muted. You're muted. I did it again, oh. folks. <clears throat> you did it again. The astronaut is just <laughs> living on the moon. Yeah. The astronaut's living on the moon. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who, who do not know my strategy, when something goes wrong, I pretend I'm an astronaut. Uh, but the problem is you have to know something's going wrong to be able to be the astronaut. So <laughs> apologies <laughs> to everybody. Uh, no, what I was saying is that in sports media, there actually is a bat signal. It's just um, LeBron's logo, which nobody even knows what it is. So it's just sort of a crown and you're like, oh, God, he's at it again. Um, I I actually think this makes sense from his perspective, if this is true, if what Wintorst is saying, if he wants this multi-year many dollars deal, um, because the Lakers make so much money off of having LeBron. Like any team that has LeBron is going to make so much money. It doesn't matter if he's 42. Like he's such a legendary player that I see where what, what he's going for. I think the question becomes for the teams that are in the running to have him or for the Lakers specifically, it's like, okay, how are you going to win now with this guy? Because he is he's not young anymore. And if, if locking him up means that you're going to give up space that you would need for younger players that, you know, it becomes a whole lot of math, which I'm not very good at, which I rely on people like you guys to tell me if you think that's correct or not. But, but I, I, I get it. I get it. Right. Like he wants his money. Well, I, I, I get I get it from the side of the marketing because, you know, Lakers brand, LeBron brand, I get it both here and internationally of what it could bring. And if you skip, because just the thought of paying, if you do a longer term deal, a 42-year-old LeBron James, $50, 60000000 million, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do from a fiscal standpoint. But from a fiscal standpoint, it does look like the Lakers can make that up because of the brand of both of them. So, Mike, I would actually go the other way and say, is this the right thing to do for the basketball team, though, when going forward? Because every year LeBron's on the team. That's what you're doing. You're just, you're just taking that year. What do we do this particular year? Because even if he signs an extension, we don't know if he's playing all those years. So it's like Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. It's one year. Load up for the one year. I know they have draft capital over the summer to try and make next year a big year. So then if he signs the extension, then you're trying to do that again the year after. That, that to me, is the trouble that you run into. I, it's kind of it's tough. You're between a rock and a hard place. You have one of the greatest of all time who, who can make you a lot of money and make your brand even bigger, and then there's what's on the basketball court. Can you build that for so that they're not in the play-in, you know, even just to try to get into the playoffs? 
Yeah, I think in next summer, they're going to be able to have their cake and eat it too with the resources they're going to have having the three th first round picks to be able to use there. But this is also an organization. What's the common refrain that we've heard ever since the trade deadline talking about LeBron James is from Rich and I heard it was Rich Paul on with Stephen A. Smith on his podcast saying the Lakers have been great. This is an organization that loves to treat its star players very well. And I understand LeBron James is not the same Lakers tenure as the guy I'm about to mention. But remember that last Kobe Bryant contract? That wasn't a good basketball contract for them. That was no. a ton of money going out to a player that was sort of a lifetime achievement contract. It was a thank you for your services rendered to this organization while the basketball team was missing the postseason and getting to the point where they hit that doldrum of, of a competition that lasted really until LeBron James ended up in a Lakers uniform. So Charlotte's not far-fetched to say that this organization is in the business of dealing out contracts that are sort of a payment for what you've done. And LeBron James, whether people want to dismiss it because it was in the bubble or not, hung another banner in Staples Center, and that means something around those parts. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers are the biggest brand in basketball. Uh, LeBron is the uh, second biggest brand in basketball. So you would have, you know, from an economic standpoint, I'm, I'm not an econ major, but two big business things would make me think that that's one even bigger business thing. Um, you're going to have butts and seats, no matter whether, you know, LeBron is iced up with, you know, icy hot running up and down his body or in his veins or not. Like, I, I just think I, I would have a very hard time as the Lakers being like, you know what, we're going to let you head on out um, because it feels like that's just not something you do when you have LeBron and when you're maybe the last team that's going to have LeBron. You get a farewell tour. Oh, my God. Can you talk? Do you know how many hot dogs they're selling at a LeBron oh. farewell tour? Nobody yeah. talks about this enough. <laughs> So, Charlotte, you don't believe then for a minute the seesawing LeBron was doing around All-Star Weekend where he said he's not sure if he wants to have a farewell tour or not. LeBron James, the architect of the decision yeah. and many other bold basketball moves off the court, somehow would forego the final round. I find that the hardest thing to believe. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, LeBron, producer of Space Jam. Like you're in movies, you Spring Hill <laughs> Entertainment. I'm look. I'm impressed. I think it's incredible. He's an amazing businessman. Yeah. He's amazing. Show loved him in Trainwreck. Like you're telling me this guy who is an actor, who is literally an actor. I'm not saying that as any pejorative. Like I admire him Trainwreck. greatly. I wish I had his his gravitas in scenes. Um, you're telling me that he is going to pass up a chance to have a whole season of a movie? Like a farewell tour is just a movie that lasts a whole season where you're the main character and hopefully not a whole lot happens. And that's what people want. And so I just, no, no, yeah. I don't believe it for a second, Mike. I don't believe it and, for a second. And you know what? There, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, right. I, I think a lot of people would want that. But yeah, to hear him say, I'm not sure if I want it, it, it I think a whole lot of people are kind of, chuckling behind the scenes saying, yeah, sure, sure, you're not going to want to do that because I, I think it would be great for the league, quite honestly. One of my favorite things about about LeBron, yes, I totally agree, Senior. I think it would be, I, I would love it. I would be bummed if we didn't get a LeBron farewell tour, partly because I'm in the business of content and it would give us a whole lot of it. Secondly, because Le LeBron, my favorite LeBron is sort of coy LeBron. Is LeBron who's being like, Maybe I will, maybe I won't. You're not going to know. And then we're always like, well, I'm pretty sure you will. Like, it's just, like whatever yeah. it is, like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you're going to do it. Um, 
So also, senior, you and I match today. I didn't. We look very nice. We do. <laughs> Thanks for the call before the show. I appreciate that yeah, very any, much. Anytime. Sorry, Mike. We left you out. Guys, this might just yeah, be did. the uh, ex ESPN employee just pulsing in my body, but I this is erupting from my cells at this point as we talk about a LeBron James multi year deal. Is and this is Peter King. Just the winds talking here. Maybe this is LeBron James understanding. Bronny needs a little bit more time to cook at USC before he's going to be ready to go. And so mm. he's got to hold on for a couple extra years here in Southern California because the other thing we saw pop up yesterday, peak LeBron James, is now a since-deleted tweet where he quote-tweeted NBA Central, one of those aggregator accounts, tweeted out about how ESPN had removed Bronny James from its 2024 mock draft and now projects him in the 2025 mock draft, saying he's going to need another year at USC. And as Claudia pointed out at the top of this segment, Bronny's production at USC right now has not looked like a guy who's ready to go to the NBA just yet. And so you had LeBron James quote tweet it with this. Can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what the mock draft says. He just works, earned, not given. Now, Charlotte, I will say this is growth because LeBron of old would have included about eight unnecessary hashtags after this and probably a strive for greatness thrown in for good measure. So I like to see LeBron's internet lit literacy continuing to jump to the next level as our coworker here at DraftKings. But I do have to say, this is also the guy that like a year ago was telling us on the shop how much better Bronny was than a lot of guys currently in the NBA. So this is a calls coming from inside the house situation. Yeah, I also think it's a, like, doesn't Bronny have his own social media? There's something so funny to me about... In 2024, LeBron being like, here's what he cares about. Here's what my son cares about. And his son is like, oh, like I, I would love to be a fly on the wall uh, in, in Bronny's life when he reads, his, when he sees his dad is tweeting again. And I want to know why did that get taken down? I, who made that call? Is that LeBron James's wife, Savannah? Is that Bronny himself right. being like, dad, you've got, you yeah. know, it's sort of like when, when your parent like marches into the guidance counselor's office and you're like, oh, I've really got this. But also like, sometimes you really don't got this. And so I, I think it's very interesting. I, I think that um, Bronny needs LeBron as well in this sort of funny, it it's, I, I, I don't know, guys, I can't even, I can't even like fully I have no idea what's going on because so much of it is their family so much of it is their family and so much of it is what's happening in their house in a way that like I would never speculate about so I just really I I think what I need is the documentary of this year like if if they're not filming a documentary that they're also following Bronny then like they're leaving so much money on the table <laughs> Charlotte, I think the biggest issue and why they took the tweet down was people wanted to see what enjoying college basketball looked like, and that's the tune of five points a game, uh, three rebounds, and two, an assi two assists, which basically was my stat line in high school. So I think mm. if that's enjoying <laughs> college basketball, yeah, I think he wanted to take that tweet down for that reason. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, I, don't think I, I do wonder if Bronny actually gets to enjoy any of his time at USC, by the way, too. Like, he's too famous to even on that campus be on a college campus. Yeah. And, Dad, I get he's been, uh, you know, somewhat minute restricted. He had the heart condition early in the season. Like, yeah, there's reasons yeah. that we can suppose in addition to just, hey, basketball's hard sometimes. And if we're not all LeBron James, it's not going to be as easy as one and dunning our way through this. Mm -hmm. But this is, I, I, 
a guy that would definitely benefit from this, but the timeline that his dad has put out there for years has always been that thing looming in the background. And I wouldn't be surprised, quite honestly, if Savannah or someone else there, or Bronny himself was like, hey man, we need to chill with all this pretty publicly. And we'd seen LeBron James back off that for a while, but it kind of rears its head when you go this loud the other direction. Listen, I don't think there's any doubt, if you're asking me my opinion, that, that it was either Bronny or probably Savannah who said, hey, LeBron, chill, okay, chill out. And even when he kind of backed off of it before, I would think that might have come from the head of the household, which is Savannah, you know, as well as, hey, let our kids be the kids because LeBron is the one who brought that up. I'll quickly say on the other side, as a dad of kids who were involved in sports in the social media era, I understand tweeting about your kid if you feel – you know, something was said about your kid and you want to tweet about it as a parent. But it's always like, do you want to, do you really want to hit send? Now, this is LeBron, you know, compared to what I'm talking about, LeBron a million times on a on a brighter stage. Do you really want to hit send here? And so obviously when you take something down, somebody got to you or because rarely in this day and age, and Charlotte, you can correct me if I'm wrong, does the person that actually hit send actually say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done that, I'm going to take it down, because everybody is so invested in their tweet that it normally takes somebody else to kind of knock on their forehead and say, you really want that up there? So, Senior, this is, again, I this is one of those things where what I'm about to say really probably does not apply to many people. I actually delete most of my tweets, because what happens is I put one up, and then I reread it. And I'm like, mm, that's pretty embarrassing. Like, no matter what it is, ah. it could be opinion about sports. It could be a joke. It could be a bad pun. And it could be something that I tweet. And I'm like, I know this is embarrassing when I'm tweeting it. But then I read it back. And then I imagine other people, like people I know in my private life reading it. And then I would get so embarrassed. And I turn bright red that I just delete it. So if there is a world in which LeBron James could have embarrassed himself to the point where he deleted it. But I I think you're right. I think that um, professional athletes generally have a higher, I I think they're um, less embarrassment prone, maybe. Is that, do you think that's accurate guys? Well, they think they're right. They they think what they put up is something good of them. Yeah. 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 I I need more. I need more. Yes. men In my life. I'm with you about the deleting because normally when I put out a tweet on my own, usually I just quote tweet. But if I put out a tweet on my own, like a minute later, I get texts from my wife or or Jake or Mike or Sydney. Dad, you spelled 10 words wrong in there. Take that down. So I have to take it down because of my own stupidity, uh, not because of the content of it. Well, the other day I did. I, I was going to tweet something and, and I showed it to my husband and I was like, is this embarrassing? And he was like, no. And so I tweeted it and then I reread it and I was like, no, he's wrong. It is embarrassing. But for but he is a good barometer. <laughs> like sometimes I'll show him stuff and he'll be like, maybe you just maybe you don't hit send. So I think LeBron just needs um an editor up front, maybe. Um, but I hope he doesn't get one because I prefer it when LeBron is just like on a hot streak on on the platform formerly known as Twitter. There are a few very important points in here. One. The Venn diagram of people whose parents and family members are online tweeting in a way that affects their life at times and embarrassing tweets. My brother and sisters in Christ, I am in the center of that one in ways that have been very interesting in the past. 
Uh, and Charlotte, your point about having people in your life that are there to vet your tweets, I encourage everybody, if you exist on the internet, you got to have a group chat or you got to have a person that you run it all by. You got to mm -hmm. have somebody there to stress test your takes before you send them out into the world because there are group chat takes and there are Twitter takes. And the gap between those two things, buddy, that is the grand freaking canyon at certain times. So I would encourage everyone, have someone in your life who cares about you enough, who knows you enough to be able to look you in your eye. It can be a loved one. It can be a spouse like you have there. It can be a friend. Shout out to a good buddy, friend of the show, Mina Kimes, uh, holding it down right there. A great arbiter of takes before they're launched into the timeline. Like, man, you got to have somebody on the payroll for that. Dad, you just happen to have an entire family. And it's not because your takes are bad. It's just because you're bad at spelling and syntax and typing yeah. and seeing things. The font <laughs> on your phone is gigantic. Yeah. So I don't know how that's possible still, but that's your cross to bear, not mine. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I understand that. Well, you, you, you guys would have to, you guys would have to kind of, kind of talk to your mother a few times about some tweets back in the college days. Mom was very well, I'm assuming uh, during football I'm, season there. Yeah. Except I don't think that there, I don't think anything Chris could tweet would embarrass me. She's sort of my gold standard. Like if I see her, if I see um, the head of the Golic household tweeting something, I'm usually, I'm usually just like, I'm on board. Um, but you know, she and, and I, Charlotte, it, she <laughs> likes you a lot. She, she would defend you to the end on, on Twitter and she doesn't care. She will throw stuff out. She will bite people's heads off. She does not care. Yeah, we should all be so lucky. All of we my should mom's all be so lucky. Are great, and I will never say anything otherwise. <laughs> smart man, a smart man. Um, I do think though that the out here. So, but <laughs> the uh, the the canyon that you were talking about, Mike, the Grand Canyon between group chats and tweets. I would say that that's called keeping your job or not valley. Um, so it's you know an important place to try not to hang out. Charlotte, it is 100% true. There are two different camps in Twitter, and the one camp you mentioned has people who either have bosses that can see their tweets or have family members that can see their tweets. And the rest of us get to act that way while y'all over out in that other side of Twitter get to do whatever you do. And it's a terrifying, lawless land where a lot of the problems are going on right now. And so I'm going to stay the hell away from that. Coming up next, though, I'm going to run screaming into the fray on another issue. We're still talking about court storming. We'll hear from the other side of the Duke Wake Forest court storming next on Gojo and Golan. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy.
Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Golik, the court storming controversy continues as head coaches now, which makes sense, are complaining about it, but they're calling for a stop to it. They just want an end. Although, I get it, recency bias, it makes sense. Kyle Filipowski, the star for Duke, got hurt bumping into a Wake Forest player. Caitlin Clark, the face of college basketball, got hurt recently. But is that, like, too much to say they need to just end it altogether? Are they able to even do that? Some teams have ropes out there and people just jump over the rope. So, like, I, I don't even know if this is something you can stop, but we're having head coaches like Bill Self for Kansas saying, I, I want to be done with it, which I guess, guys, makes sense. But is that even something that they could do successfully? No one, I mean no one, should be on the court until the opposing players, coaches, staff have been given the opportunity to leave the court and exit the bench area. That was Steve Forbes, the head coach of Wake Forest, who offered up an interesting idea because, Charlotte, we're trying to figure out solutions to this product process, and I, I'm not sure what's realistic and what's not. Jay Billis was getting up on ESPN yesterday saying, you could detain everyone who's on the court and give them all citations, yeah. which that seems like it'd be a real you-can't-arrest-all-of-us situation that would end poorly for a lot of people involved given how reckless people have become, which I think is a part of this conversation. But Steve Forbes, who was the coach on the other side of the court, whose home crowd was storming after a win that he helped his team secure, was saying, hey, we need to take time and hold everyone until the opposing team can exit the tort, try and create a buffer, which I saw Sean Farnham at ESPN offer up yesterday. Do you think that's realistic, Charlotte? Is there anything that could or should be done in this case, like Claudia mentioned? I mean, it, it sort of feels like it's a situation of if if you can get all the fans on board, because I think, you know, the first thing it actually made me think of was um, when Tennessee beat Alabama in, was that 2022 or 2021? I can't remember. And they took the goalpost and they carried it uh, yeah. to the the river and they threw it in the river. And it, it was so celebrated because, first of all, it was pretty metal, um, but also it was like you know, we don't care what the rules are, we'll accept the fine, blah, blah, blah. And I think that the more you try to impose rules, especially on college fans, um, you tend to be met with, I mean, because like, first of all, college kids, like if you told me not to do something in college, I would be like, cool, I'm going to go do that thing. Um, and I think that that is what you're dealing with, with a lot of 18 to 22 year olds. Um, but I also think that it is such a rush of energy at the end of a game like that 
um, that it, it people it's crowd mentality. It's like you have to sort of you have to deprogram the human body. And I don't think stork carming is is good necessarily either. Like I've been I, for a long time, I've been watching this being like, this feels like a, this feels like it's like, first of all, I like it scares me half to death. Like I'm like, I do not want to be involved. That's sort of my nightmare. Um, but I, I think it's a natural reaction at this point, And I don't know I don't know how you stop it. Do you know how you stop it? Like, is there a way to stop it? So I will well, say, I, well, I will say from my angle, as someone who's been a part of both a field that was stormed when a good things happen and also storming the court at a basketball game at Notre Dame where I was a fan, I get the fun of it, right? As a player at a football field, you got a lot more room. There's people out there you're taking pictures with. You see your buddy from class that shows up there with his girlfriend, and you guys get to take a selfie and recollect on it years later. I stormed the court after Notre Dame. I forget who they beat when I was there, the men's basketball team. But I saw, like, people making out out there. It was like when soldiers would come home, and they'd be doing, like, the deep, dramatic dip kiss. So that was cool, too, to see. But, Dan, on the other side, I do recognize what Charlotte's talking about here is that there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think now more than ever we've seen there are a lot more people who are willing to push the boundaries on what should be considered normal or decent in these settings. And you always worry about the safety of these athletes involved for the home or the away team. So first, I mean, we know the SEC finds schools and there are 11 conferences that have recently uh, had said that the, you'd be subject to fines under certain circumstances. The ACC does not issue fines. And the reason I mentioned fines, because Charlotte mentioned this. You know who doesn't care if your school's getting fined? The 18 to 22-year-old that's running on the court. They don't care. Hey, our school's going to get fined. So what? Not coming out of my pocket. Don't care. And then it's a mob mentality to get on the court. So you either stop it altogether. I kind of like watching it. I think it's a, it's a cool thing. But it's not worth the safety of one player on the court. So if that's going to be the issue then you're going to have to stop it. Now, remember John Shire had mentioned there was a time when there was like a 10-second wait at the end of a game. If you can pull that off, I don't know how you do it, but if you can pull that off, that would be the best way. That's getting the other team off the court. You have time to pull them off the court because you, you saw – under these circumstances, like Caitlin Clark, there was a security person kind of by her, but not quick enough. So if you wait a little bit, again, 10 seconds, I think you could get away with it. But I don't know how you do that. I mean, there are ropes up, and all it takes is a couple of students to, you know, not care or have a little too much drink in them to even care at all or understand, I got to wait 10 seconds. And as soon as they run on the court, it starts the mob mentality of everybody. Then you have to kind of hit the students with something to deter them if that's what you want to do. But that that's, and I don't want to go down that road. I, that's not something that I want to do. Um, but I, I do think if you can find a way to, to, to delay it, I still not sure I, I recall what Shire or when that was that you can delay something like that because usually it's an immediate let's party type situation. But to me, that, to keep it, that would be the best way other than having you know security run out on the court and prote quickly protect the other team, the home team players, and get them off the court or however you're going to do it. But I'd like to find a way to keep it. 
So Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark said on Outside the Lines Monday that him and other commissioners are talking about addressing this in the future. Uh, Greg Byrne, the uh, Alabama athletic director, went as far as to say that he thinks that teams should have to forfeit in scenarios like this, which is insane and is never no, going to happen and shouldn't happen in no. any scenario like no. that. But Dad, what you're thinking, what you're talking about here, I've always said this for years, you know, I I'll liken everything to offensive line play. When you see teams pick up a blitz or pick up a stun or do anything like that, half of it is your ability. The other half is preparation. I do think home teams being prepared for scenarios where you know, hey, Duke's coming to town. Wake Forest doesn't beat them a lot. This is a geographic rivalry. You got to have added security ready to go with a plan in place of what to do when this is going to happen that they're going to be able to execute in that scenario. I think that's part number one. The other part is this. You're talking about deterrence to get students not to rush the court. Jay Billis is talking about deterrence. I'm talking about a reward right here. I got the solution because I know what college kids like, and I know what crowds in general at sporting events like. Free stuff, baby. So walk with me on this. What local brand will step up to the plate and do what we see for free throws all the time? Hey, so-and-so on the opposing team missed two free throws. Everybody gets two free chicken sandwiches at Chick-fil-A or whatever the place is around campus right there. You get the opposing team successfully off the court before you storm that thing. Everybody in the crowd that night is getting free Taco Bell or whatever you want on the other side of this right here. You got to speak the love language of drunk college people. And the love language of drunk college people is free food. What will get students to self-police the other? The prospect of free drunk food on the backside of this celebration where you're going to go lift a goalpost into the river or something like this. This is the platform that I will run for public office on here. This is how we fix the court storming controversy. That's the smartest thing I've ever heard. That's the smartest thing I've ever I heard. I was just about yeah. to say that. Right? Smartest thing like, he's what? ever said. <laughs> yeah. he, you've By said far. a lot of smart things, Gojo, but like, I, I love the, because I'm putting myself back in the mentality of being in college and I'm like, what could have made me do something? If you said like there's free pizza in the student center, I would have been like, say no more. I am off the court. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. But I, I also like that you're saying get the other team off because you're not saying don't do it all together. You're saying you're you're putting in realistic parameters with a realistic reward. And I raising canes was like raised for this. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. A Mike load of cane Mike, sauce on the admit. other side. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Good idea. Listen, guys, I was a drunk college kid for a long time. And while it's been a long time since those days, I still feel like you and I, young people, we're not that different. Like Charlotte said, a free T-shirt, a little bit of free donuts or chicken in the student center, that's always been a currency that plays on college campuses. And I think we can save court storming this way. So anybody, feel free to call me, Greg Byrne, Brett Yormark, all you guys. I'm willing to sit in on the meetings and help you. officially off the market after a prolonged free agent period. The Cubs have snatched him up. They gave him his money, but not as much as he really wanted. But that's no surprise because no teams, unless you're the L.A. Dodgers or the Braves, seem to want to dish out that money. And players don't really have an option. So that's the deal that Cody Ballinger got. And his agent 
is not happy, and he's sort of saying the quiet part out loud. He told USA Today that teams are too worried about cutting payroll, more important to them than paying for good free agents. Clubs have plenty of money to spend, but they're not spending in a matter that is customary to competitiveness. It's not that they don't have the ability to pay, but the choice to regress on their payrolls. <coughs> Red Sox, because still available, two-time Cy Young winner Blake Snell. You have Jordan Montgomery, <laughs> four-time Gold Glove winner, and Matt Chapman. Yet, a lot of these teams with a lot of money to spend just don't want to do it, guys. Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch this in Major League Baseball, and it feels weird to say in an offseason, right, where we saw, you know, Juan Soto traded to the Yankees and wind up over there. We saw everything that went on with Shohei Itani and the Dodgers. There's been plenty of big-time movement of stars that's creating an exciting buzz this offseason, but Charlotte, especially in the Northeast, where you guys are, and obviously Claudia referenced the Red Sox there. I know you're Boston sports everything. A lot of big-time franchises have been unwilling to spend, and for a lot of them on that side, they've pointed back to, Local TV deals. It's the unsexiest headline in the world, but when you've got the local TV contracts, which make up a bigger source of Major League Baseball's income than in any other professional sports league in America, that's the thing they're falling back on is we're not really sure what the future looks like for regional television deals, and so we're going to hold back a little bit on these finances, but the end result... I'd have to imagine is maddening for fans, Charlotte, especially in Boston, who are used to fielding these competitive teams full of stars and are now looking at a franchise that's almost completely reverse course on that. Yeah, well, that's sort of been the promise of being a Boston fan is that, you know, we are going to spend money to get you the players that you need to feel happy as a fan. And um, it's so interesting. You know, I was reading about all of this last night as I was watching the fourth episode of the Patriots dynasty on Apple TV Plus, which... Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole different thing. Um, but you know, I was reading about the the local TV deals and how that's why a lot of teams aren't aren't uh paying people. And I to be honest, like I remember thinking this back in like 2018 or 2019 as baseball as a sport, people it 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 hasn't been the sexiest sport, it hasn't been the most popular sport, and these massive contracts keep getting signed. And I was sort of like, I feel like there's going to be a reckoning at some point. And I don't necessarily think that we are getting there, but I think that the people in charge of the money are getting there. And I think it's, I, 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 when you have Raphael Devers saying, you are not getting us the help we need, when you have Dustin Pedroia, who is not playing baseball for the Red Sox anymore, but is beloved in in Boston and New England, saying, uh, just like, you guys know you can do something, right? Like it, it's a little insane. And I think anybody who's who's worked in sports media, especially is is used to the feeling of being like, hey, uh, we could use a little help here. Um, and But like, you don't usually say it out loud. So for them to be saying it out loud, as Claudia said, that the quiet part out loud, which Scott Boris said, but, but also we're saying, we're seeing players say that. Um, it's just wildly frustrating because sure you can be worried about a TV contract, but you should really be worried about general revenue. If you don't have a competitive team, if you don't have something fans want to go see, it just seems like extremely backwards to me at this point. And it's deeply frustrating. You know, you look at the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax in, in baseball, it's at, I think 237 million for this year. And at this point, I think there's four teams that are over it. Uh, the Phillies, the Astros, the Mets, and the Yankees up there are 290 million. You know, you kind of see this in basketball. Golden State did that. Uh, they were over and they paid, you know, on top of with the luxury tax over 300 million two years ago, 400 million this year. 
And for a team that certainly has been one of the great teams over a number of years, but now they're talking about, you know, we may need to back off a little bit, not spend as much money. And you wonder if that's where baseball is, because there is, is there a bigger sport with haves or have nots? If you look at payrolls going into this year, the Yankees up top at 290 and the A's at the bottom at 45 million. If you want to throw them out because God knows about them. Go to the Pirates, who are 29th. They're at $77 million. So the disparity is absolutely amazing. And every now and then, you see that lower payroll team win, and it gives every owner a chance to say, see, you can do it. You can do that. We don't have to spend all this money. We can still win. Go out and do what they did, which is certainly hard to do. I can, you know, you can never blame the people who own the teams if they want to make a buck. I've always said that about the Eagles when Norman Brayman was our owner. He didn't care that much about the team. He wasn't even around. It was more about making money. And do owners want to make money? Do owners want to put out championship teams? But it seems like teams are pulling back a bit. I will disagree with you on one thing. Can absolutely blame owners if they just want to make a buck and don't field a competitive team. Everyone else in the process can be criticized for their role in it, and we are right to look at owners. I'm always amazed at the amount of fans that fall back, especially, you know, football's salary cap sport, so it's a little bit different, but who opt on that side of things. In a league that is uncapped, we're like the NBA. Yeah, you've got thresholds to meet and tax you can pay above a certain point. Like, man, I'd be looking at these owners go, you most of you got money with a B. I don't care if you have to light a little bit of it extra on fire. Go and spend to make me happy if you're going to own the thing that I love. I think there's allowed to be that friction between franchise and ownership. Hell, we see it drive a ton overseas. That's why American owners that try and go over to the Premier League always come running back with their tail tucked between their leg half the time. Because if you do a bunch of stuff that pisses off the locals, they're going to let you hear about it. So I do think it's fine and actually healthy to look at ownership in particular, the people with the most money in all this, and say, yes, screw your bottom line. We need a competitive team out here. I'm not going to support in the ways that make you money. Well, then, then that's the line they have to decide, which is theirs. Because what normally happens, you tick off a fan and there's five fans to take his spot. So, again, I will not blame owners if they want to make a buck. It's their team. It's You don't have to like it. You can absolutely well, hate it. I think it. you're you saying it's their it right, but we can absolutely up. blame them. Like, they're not blameless in this. Yeah. What you're saying is it's their right to operate the business how they want. Yes. But none of us have to like it. Yes. I, no, no, no. I, I agree with that. You don't have to like it, and your way of not liking it is not showing up. And if it hits the line where that's happening too much, where you need to get fans back, then it's up to the owner to decide what he wants to do to try and bring that back up. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's their right to do, but you're, I, I agree. You don't have to like it, and fans can, can, can blast them, boycott them, do whatever they want, but it's their money and their team. I think, though, that that a lot of these owners, I mean, like you look at the Mets, you look at Steve Cohen, who spent so much money and nothing happened. You look at the Red Sox, right. John Henry, they let Mookie Betts go, and I'm never going to forgive them for that. Like that, I, I can't, I'm, I, I get heated. Like I'm probably turning red right now because I'm like, how could you do that? Because the one thing you have money for is to get good players who can win you championships because championships make you more money. So like, I'm not going to blame owners if they want to make money, but I will blame them if they think you can make money by not paying the people you need to win the thing to make the fans happy to make the money. It's just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm like, give me a team. (laughs) 
There we go. I think we found the solution to all this is give Charlotte Wilder a team. And I, I think the funniest thing about all this conversations is with Cody Bellinger as the jumping off point is really a representative of the offseason. You can make an argument his situation a little bit more specific, right? The market for him based off the two seasons prior where he's come back player of the year this last year. But in the two seasons before that performance had dipped massively. You look at some of the underlying indicators like exit velocity and some of the things that people were checking on. It hints that this might have been a little bit of an outlier and people want to wait and see on this. He's got opt-outs in the first two years of the contract, so he's going to have an opportunity to go back to the table. And I think overall, because we turn everything in national media into the good for the sport conversation, like baseball, I think, is largely going to be fine from that perspective. It made huge leaps last year in some of the metrics based on the pitch clock and what that had done. Obviously, you've got what I think every sport covers this covets this season in a big bad. You've got the Los Angeles Dodgers who are going to have the target on their back for the entire year because of the offseason moves they made. You heard it from Mookie Betts himself who said, everyone we play, this is going to be their World Series. They have courted the smoke and I'd imagine they're going to get it this season. And so having those things there, having some of the stars in key places, we mentioned Soto in New York, there's going to be plenty of a draw still here. But Major League Baseball has joined a bunch of other sports, the NFL included, in the current economic status, pricing out a lot of the middle class, pricing out a lot of quality players in favor of either very young and cheap or incredible star power. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to finish off this the way we always do. This, that, the third. Three quick stories to send you in the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live every Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network. Also, make sure you check out Oddball, Charlotte Wilder, Amin El Hassan every day but Monday on the DraftKings Network talking hoops for you guys and doing a great job as always. If you miss any of the show today, including our friend Charlotte Wilder, our new friend, Claudia Belafato. You can check all that out wherever you get your podcast, as well as available right here on YouTube as soon as we get done with the show. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third. Four wide, I love, always love for this. We'll see how this is going to go because we got controversy right out of the gate here on this, that, and the third. Wendy's, it was announced, is going to explore surge pricing for its menu. 
They're going to test this model in a few select locations beginning in 2025. Essentially, they're responding to, in a lot of fast food chains, the increase in minimum wage in certain areas across the country by trying to fix a pricing menu that responds to the traffic outside of the restaurant. Basically, if there are more people coming at any given time, the prices on the menu are gonna jump. If you get there at off-peak hours, you're gonna get things at a lesser price here. Charlotte, this does not feel like the square deal that I was promised by the folk at Wendy's when they gave me their square burgers and their wonderful Frosties. And while I'm gonna be able to exploit the market inefficiency with some of these off-peak hours, because I work weird hours, I'm worried about everybody else who's now all of a sudden gonna have their Frosties held hostage by these price hikes. This is absolutely a travesty. This is not what, you know, good old fashioned values or hamburgers are made of. Um, it also feels a little like big tech. You know, it feels like fast food trying to be like, we're a tech company. And it's like, you literally make cheeseburgers. Like all I want from you is a cheeseburger. I don't want anything with surge or flex involved in it. So count me out. Sorry, Wendy's. So, so can I ask, the, let me ask the question then. So, oh boy. Mike, you said other fast food joints like McDonald's, because their minimum wage has gone up, is raising their prices. So what if their prices are as high as Wendy's prices, even in Wendy's surge time, but Wendy's prices are lower than McDonald's in the off-peak hours? Wouldn't that be a good thing? If you're paying about the same as other places in the surge hours, and you're paying less in the off-peak hours, wouldn't that work out okay? Now, I don't know if the surge hours are going to be more expensive than the other fast food places. That, that's going to have to be the key. But we hear the other fast food places are all jacking their prices anyway. We shouldn't need a spreadsheet for fast food people. This is just greedy, no. straight up. Like, let's just keep the chicken nuggets at whatever they are and the Frosties. It's fast food. That's what it's supposed to be. If I want to drop bills, I go to a steakhouse. This is straight up greedy, and it's wrong. We don't need Boom. a spreadsheet for fast food is the quote of the day here from Claudia on day one, coming storming out the gates hot. I completely agree. It's taking advantage of one of our most vulnerable population points, which is drunk people trying to eat late night who aren't going to know any better and who are just going to spend recklessly here. We need to protect them. We've already done that job today trying to help solve court storming. We're going to do it again here with Wendy's. Shame on you, Wendy's. I love you and I've supported you over the years. I've said that you're as good of a burger as in and out out here in Los Angeles, you know how dangerous it is for me to say that, and now this is how I'm repaid on the other side. Ugh, getting hot and bothered. Uh, let's move on to that so I stop sweating here. Claudia, we've got people as upset as I am at Wendy's and apparently Kim Kardashian because her kid got to do something cool. Yeah, I mean, people love to hate on the Kardashians, which I do sort of understand, but this one's wrong, I think, in my eyes, because her eight-year-old son got to walk messy out. But as you guys know, this is what they do in MLS and across the world with soccer is young kids walk out the players. They're sort of mascot for the game. But it, I get it, it's Kim K's son, so everybody's mad saying, that's not fair, my son plays too. But yeah, this happened on Sunday when Inter-Miami faced LA Galaxy. What do you guys think about this? Should we be hating on Kim K or should, should we just let her be? hate on the kid i mean come on man i mean we've seen rich parents getting their kids into college yeah. recently that's yeah. been the major headline you want to worry because one soccer match the kid gets to go and hang yeah. out with leo messi like this is how fame works i don't know why we're acting surprised by yeah. it in this venue especially when it comes to what messi has brought to inner miami this is the effect this is the halo that followed this dude so charlotte i think this is a bit ridiculous but like claudia mentioned i, I understand that 
there are a lot of people with very strong feelings about the Kardashians. And so this is probably not about saying. Well, I think it's also anytime there's someone who is so unbelievably rich being like, look at my cute little kid, look what they got to do, which is generally something yeah, that like yeah. cute kids who aren't billionaires get to do is like a fun thing because they love soccer um, that I sort of get. I also I can imagine that the Venn diagram of American soccer fans and people who like the Kardashians probably I, I could see that being two separate circles. Um, but, you know, again, I really also don't care to to be perfectly frank with you, you know, like good for everybody. And I feel like there are bigger examples of like rich people doing bad things than Kim K's son walking Mezzi out onto the pitch. I saw comments. I'm, I'm, I'm people are trying ahead. to say, people trying to compare her to Taylor Swift, like saying she's trying to bring an impact to MLS. And I saw that. I just bought oh, a God, junior oh, and I was please. like, no. Yeah, oh, let's, awesome. let's, let's, let's stop it's... that one right there. Listen, now, that being I'm said, Charlotte, everything the I'm Kardashians touch does turn to money, so I won't count that out for them. But, Dad, uh, certainly different ballparks here. Yeah. I, Charlotte, I'm with you. I don't care. I mean, to think some rich person got to have their kid do something, I mean, give me a break. And, and I've really come full circle on the Kardashians. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't stand them. You know what? Kudos to them. They got company after company to throw money at them for doing their thing. So, you know what? Kudos to them. Because now the unfortunate thing is we have a whole, you know, bunch of generation of people that are trying to do the same thing to, to never really work and have companies throw a bunch of money at them and then build something off of that. So, you know, I, I can't blame the Kardashians for companies giving them a lot of money. To be clear, I am trying to figure out how to do that. So if anyone knows how to get me TikTok <laughs> yep. famous so I don't have to show up to work anymore, please let me know and we'll try and figure that out. As we march towards the third, speaking of people with a lot of money making questionable decisions, Claudia, we have got someone out in my neck of the woods here in California trying to risk it all for their very expensive home. And Mike, just run a skims campaign. Just order some of those tight skims that Cam K wears and post it on Twitter. I'm sure oh, it'll blow boy. up. Uh, you would look amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so speaking of rich people doing insane things, the owner of a $16 million California mansion is on literally the verge of falling into the ocean. There is videos, there is pictures. This house, as you can see, is ready to rumble. It is ready to go, yet this 82-year-old man named Lewis is like, no, it's fine. My house is fine. The city said it's fine. Everything's fine. And I don't know, guys, from the look of it, the way that Charlotte's looking at this video, I think you agree with me, Charlotte. Yeah, Claudia, I'm like, okay, this to, this to me is like rich person hubris. This is like, okay, your house is literally teetering on the edge of an eroding cliff. And he's like, but I'm rich. So it's fine. Like, I'll just throw money at the problem. It's like, yeah, if you want to throw stacks of cash so high that they become support pylons for your house, like go for it. But otherwise, I don't know what money is doing for you here. Although shout out to Lewis for being um, very stubborn and going down with the ship. Captain always goes down with the ship. He's a G, he's a G. <laughs> Dad is the richest person here. Would you operate like Lewis? Uh, I'd be out of there. Uh, there, are, there are actually three homes affected by the recent rain there, uh, but they said they don't appear to be in imminent danger. I don't need to find out. If I'm rich like this, now I'm not rich like this guy. There is no, I wish I was, but I'm not. There are, you know what? I would be out somewhere else in a very nice rental somewhere. You know, there are very nice ones that, that wouldn't affect this guy's pocketbook. But he's like being, 
It's like when that when that hurricane's hitting somewhere and that family says, we're not leaving. You know, we're we're boarding up stuff and we're staying. Why? I mean, why? Yeah. What 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 are you proving to anybody by doing that? One other thing I could say. I'm not putting him in the grave, but he's 82 years old. He's he's closer to the end than he is at the beginning. Oh my, come on. Cool wow. last way to die. Really? Fall off a giant wow. cliff in your huge wow. mansion. I'm just saying, you know, pack. I he mean. He probably has a jetpack, like ready to ready to boost <laughs> out of there once it falls. He's probably got another body on ice in there that he's gonna upload his consciousness into. I've seen Cloud Atlas and all those movies, and I know how the rich operate here. If you think this has all gone too far. We agree too. Download, subscribe, rate, review us, and leave us a five-star rating anyway. Check us out live Monday through Friday. Check out Oddball with Charlotte Wilder and Amin El Hassan. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.